Hello. Guess what I'm going to talk about today? I'll give you some hints. It's not welding. It's not motorcycle riding. And it's not virtual reality games. Can you guess? Those of you who are listening on iTunes are like, what in the world are you talking about? I have my sleep goggles on. That's what the deal is here. So today is my last episode about sleep for a while. I have another episode already about the brain. I'm going to take these off here now. I have another episode already about the brain and sleep. And I am going to do that, but I'm not going to make it four in a row, okay? So if you remember in episode 40, we had the benefits of sleep. Now my hair is all of us. In episode 40, we had the benefits of sleep. And then in 41, we had insomnia. And um, it was actually, it just ended up being like a 3,000 word S outline. And I think I told you about that. It got really, really crazy and out of hand. So then it was broken down. So today is the last of that. And it is called Ways to Improve Sleep. All right. So 40 was the benefits of sleep. And if you do not know about the benefits of sleep for um, fat, sorry about that. I got my hair real flat. Now I'm real self-conscious about it. About uh, for fat burning, for calorie and carbohydrate, calorie control and craving control, you need to listen to episode 40 because the research is amazing. And the research on that, you know, I'm, I talk a lot about this research or that research. The research on that is like merging all together um, in that there are like observational studies, which are more... Um, observational in nature and then there are also rodent studies and then there are also human studies in metabolic centers and in um, contained places which is another important factor in research that you're going to learn about if you stay tuned in the next episode or the next still hashing it out about research super important that we don't just listen to somebody who just has an isolated research study or two studies that show this one thing on six people and eight people or on, you know, mice and, um, and, um, monkeys or whatever that, that we learn how to decipher research. And that's one thing I'm excited about the sleep is because it is, like I said, the observational studies, it is the clinical research and it is also the animal or um, mammalian, um, primarily rodent research. So we can count on sleep, okay? And just like intermittent fasting, sleep is free. So there you go, right? Okay, so tonight, uh, today, you know, like I said, first of all, it was uh, benefits of sleep, then it was insomnia, right? And I gave you some tips because I hate to just talk about all the bad things about insomnia and then leave you hanging there with no help. So I did talk about that, but this is going to be all kinds of ways to improve your sleep. All right, so I always start with our journey, and our journey is um, plateaued. We're still pretty plateaued as far as our weight is concerned, but not as far as our size. My husband just wore a different pair of shorts um, yesterday, to Sunday, the other day, to the Y to work out and said, I couldn't wear these at Christmas. And I'm like, you haven't lost any weight since Christmas. How can you be wearing these? And um, it's just recompositioning. And, uh, so I'm, I'm wearing all the things that were on my door for all of fall. And now I can wear all of those things. And now I have eights hanging on my door. 
and I'm afraid it's going to be a while for them. So um, I'm still working stuff, though. It doesn't matter. I, I'm not really phased by it because um, I recently heard my one of my favorite guys, Dr. Stephen Guillenay, um, say that you need a 10-calorie reduction per pound of body weight that you want to lose per day. And that is why when you make small changes over time, it just, just starts to add up. So if you have, you know, 20 pounds uh, to lose, you need to make a 200 calorie deficit, so to speak. And it's not going, 200 calorie deficit is not going to be enough to just take your weight down like that, like uh, some fast weight loss diets are. But you're going to get there eventually. And that's what I find so exciting about intermittent fasting is in part, we don't have to strive for this really fast, immediate weight loss. I'm not against fast weight loss. I think speed has its benefits for sure. And some people like to do intermittent fasting and just do ketosis, the keto diet, and just lose 20 pounds in a month and be done with it. And um, if I didn't have such a bad experience with trying keto for three years. Uh, maybe I would consider doing that. I'm not opposed to fast weight loss. I'm just saying you don't have to have it, right? And with intermittent fasting, we are skimming those calories off the top, day in and day out, which results in body recompositioning. It results in lowering your caloric um, cravings and your uh, food cravings and your hunger slowly and gradually. Another one downfall of losing fast is that your metabolism drops fast because you just lost 20 pounds and now all of a sudden you can have, you have 200 to 400 calories fewer each day than you used to have and, and you thought you were going to go back to where you were after that 20 pounds and you can't usually do that that quickly. Anyway, pros and cons for sure. But some other things that we are doing, um, non-scale wise, which I think is always crucial to look at. Um, you know, all, I have all of my, all of my clothes are, um, you know, really, really baggy, all of my shirts and tops, but I'm trying not to buy too much because I'm going for that size eight. So anyway, so I'm just hanging out in the same things a lot and that's fine. It doesn't really bother me. All right. Um, well, it doesn't bother me at all. I'm not that, I don't, I'm not that picky about things. I don't know. When you have seven kids, it's like, this is great. I love this. I'll wear it twice this week. Okay. So, um, one of the things in our journey and one of the things I'm going to be talking about a lot in future episodes. So get ready is more real food and less processed foods. Now, before you turn it off and say, you've been telling us we could eat whatever we want, da-da-da-da-da, I've said that intermittent fasting provides a lot of wiggle room, and it does, a ton of wiggle room. We couldn't have the parties and the festivities and everything that we have with our family if we didn't have the wiggle room of intermittent fasting. So it does provide the wiggle room. But that doesn't mean snacks and it doesn't mean treats and processed foods and, and, and sugary desserts and everything every day. Now, there are some people who eat one meal a day and they have their food and they have their dessert. They have one piece of cake. They have one bowl of ice cream. They have one piece of pie and they do that every day and they're just fine with it. We have a longer eating window than that. We have a snack and then a couple of hours later, our meal and then our dessert if we have one. And, um, then we have parties all the time on the weekends with our kids and just different occasions all the time. So our wiggle room for us 
is in our festivities with family. It's in when we go out for dinner. We both love to go out to dinner. And it's just a good break for us because we work from home. So it's really good for us to get out and go for dinner uh, after we've had 12 hours of students <laughs> in like today. Literally, um, that's going to be 14 hours of students for him today. So um, it's good. It's really, really good for us to be able to do that. And we enjoy it. But that is our wiggle room. We can't, we can't keep making up more and more and more wiggle room, right? You, we have to balance it all out. So more real food, less processed. I've been talking about my buddy. Uh, he doesn't know that I'm a fangirl. But uh, Dr. Stephen Guillenay talk about his book, Hungry Brain. I, um, I have him on Speed, Speed YouTube. If there is such a thing, Speed YouTube, every day. And um, he's on a lot of places on um, YouTube. And I have his book. It's right here. As a matter of fact, <laughs> I carry it with me everywhere I go. And it's, um, it's, I like his book. I love his book. But it's not something that I can read in large chunks. So I'm reading in small chunks. I'm taking a lot of notes, and I'm going to present the information to you guys. I already have started to all the time. You don't know it, though. It's secret. So um, anyway, I'm going to keep on doing that and uh, keep on presenting that. But one of the things that I have appreciated so much about Hungry Brain is that he does not villainize any particular food group. Instead, he talks about food triggers in general. And how there are five of them, and I'm going to do a whole broadcast about this, how there are five of them, and how if we stay away from processed foods, we will lessen those triggers greatly. And so um, we've tr- we've been doing that, staying away from processed foods at home, just really, really, you know, doing our meats and our veggies and our potatoes and our um, uh, oatmeal and our popcorn. I mean, it's not like anything's bad. Okay, it's not like there's a bad food, right? But processed foods are not hurt as well by our our hunger and satiety signals, and um, and they do not fill our stomachs up. So we have so much space left, and that's when we eat more than our bodies need. So he calls processed foods and those type of things with those um, triggers in them sugar fat, salt, um, uh, uh, glutamate, like um, soy sauce, uh, bone broth, kind of meaty taste, uh, those kind of things. He calls those seductive foods. And I thought that is a really good way to look at it. Instead of just saying, you know, this is bad, this is good. Carbs are bad, fats are good. Fats are horrible, carbs and carbs are good. Because honestly, everybody says, I mean, Whoa, babies, have you ever gone on YouTube lately? They are all over the place with that and with compelling research for both sides, um, for the low fat and the high fat and the low carb and the high carb. So, um, but he calls these seductive and he says, and I believe it's so true that if we will have less seductive, less calorie dense foods that contain, well, they will contain fewer calories and have more nutrients per volume. So he's talking about the space that they take up in our stomachs and how um, a perfect example of this is how um, if I eat a bag of fun size M&M peanuts, you know, my, you know, you've heard me talk about M&M peanuts. I have a real big love affair with peanut M&Ms and 
uh, you know, but the little, little, little fun size bags, they shouldn't be called fun. They're, they should be called something like, um, uh, tempting size bags or something because they just make you want more. Um, but anyway, they have like eight or 10 peanut M&Ms in them and that has a hundred calories in that. All right. And then you eat an apple, a medium apple, 55 to 95 calories. It depends on the size. Small, you know, small apples have fewer calories, obviously. And those M&M peanuts take up like no space whatsoever in your stomach. And you, but you ate 100 calories. Now, I'm not asking you to count calories. You can do whatever you want, okay? I really, really do not agree with telling everybody what to do all the time, okay? So these are the 100 calories of M&M. Here is my 100 calorie of my apple. That is the problem with processed foods. First of all, they're, you know, got way more nutrition in this apple than you do in this little package of peanut M&Ms. Um, and secondly, in an apple, we have the fiber, we have the, the skin, which is fibrous, we have water, tons of water, and we have all this space taken up by this apple, and we have this little teeny bit of space taken up by these eight little tiny peanut M&Ms. And it's like, instead of calling foods good and bad, Look at them as a nutrition per volume. And even if you want to get caloric, look at them at calories per volume. And that's why he, well, also from an archaeological and anthropological standpoint, that's why he is like all for like potatoes and, and rice, and, you know, all kinds of foods, oats, you know, all kinds of foods, as well as meats and fats, and, you know, so forth. He's not any, he's not against any one food. Um, but... We have been trying to do this to fill up more on these um, lower calorie, higher nutrients, higher fiber, higher water, more space filling foods. And he calls it something like calories per volume, you know, or you could call it calories per gram if you were talking about weight. But more than anything, we're talking about space. Right. And so you see people all the time who um, eat like a really big fill, fill, filling meal. Sometimes they'll put meals, their pictures of their meals. I'd love for people to do that in our group um, where they put pictures of their meals and they have like a pretty big plate of food, you know, and then they have a roll. And you we're just looking at that and you're going, how can they eat that roll and not gain weight, you know, or whatever? Well, they're filling their stomachs up with vegetables, meat, maybe a little pasta, maybe a little pasta sauce you know, whatever that dish might contain and some, and a fibrous piece of bread and the volume is filling the stomach up and that helps with appetite correction. So anyway, that's what we've been doing. We're working on saving our treats for our truly special occasions uh, and using that wiggle room in for the best um, benefit for us. You know, maybe your wiggle room is different than our wiggle room. Maybe you guys like to go out for cocktails. Maybe you guys um, like to order pizza, you know, or whatever. And whatever your wiggle room might be, you know, but filling up on those nutritious foods. And I mentioned this before that um, uh, uh, back when I was trying to eat healthy, I never ate as healthy as I do now. Intermittent fasting has changed me, and I'm really, really grateful for that. I can't go into it because I already used too much time on that. So let's go into uh, physical actions to improve sleep. All right, the first thing is to avoid light at night, and that's where our glasses come in. All right, and these are just, um, I'm going to have a link 
in the outline at the blog and at iTunes um, hyperlinked. Uh, I don't think it's hyperlinked here in the Facebook group, but I'm going to have it. It's just, these are nice. They're only like 10 or 15 bucks, maybe 12.95 or something like that. Um, but they're nice because they'll even fit over my husband's glasses. He uses readers when we're, when he's playing on the iPad or reading at night. So, um, they'll, they'll even fit over that. So you want to avoid light at night. So some suggestions, black curtains, you know, some people wear those little things to sleep you know, patches like to cover their eyes um, and try not to have lights from night lights and lights from hallways and so forth. And this all has to do with melatonin production, which is kind of out of order, but I'm going to talk about that in just a little bit too, because I really want to talk about the natural melatonin production at the same time as I talk about the supplementation of it. So uh, some people even go so far as to say, do not turn on a bathroom light when you go to the bathroom to use a night light or a lamp. Because you don't want to just blare light and go to the bathroom and then get so woken up and um, and have that light because our sleep patterns are completely affected by light and you know that is why we have there's even a rhyme about that Robert Louis Stevenson in summer I uh, I go to bed in winter I go to bed at I get up at in dark at summer, I still, I don't know. It's really cute. Little, it's a children's rhyme. I love all children's poetry. Anyway, um, keep your room cool. That's another physical action. And you know, I'm really bad about this because I have a heated mattress pad. So I'm all about turning that heated mattress pad up and getting all snuggly and everything. Come to find out that research shows that your sleep quality is better and insomnia is reduced in a cooler room. So try sleeping in a cooler room. Lessen the blue light from the computer. Um, lights, uh, fluorescents are really bad for this. And I have some fluorescents that I work in my dining room with. And so, um, I've been like trying to come back out of the fluorescents a little bit earlier and work back in my bedroom, uh, because the fluorescents in the dining room are so bright and that, uh, that all of those bright lights cur stop your body from producing melatonin because you, you're telling your body it's daylight. Okay. So, um, with the computer, we have the same problem. The blue light from the computer actually is a terrible insomniac. So here are some suggestions. I've got a link here, flux, uh, f.lux, and that's for devices, and that'll make your device give red light rather than blue light. So that's important. And the research on that shows that um, this these... Uh, um, blue light blocking glasses, things like this, that they completely um, eliminate the effects of blue light on your melatonin levels. So something as simple as this could really help. Sorry, my nose itches. All right. So um, we I, we use these because we have a television in our room. We watch television when we go to bed. Um, that's my break time. It's at 9 o'clock at night when I go to bed. So that's when I stop working. And um, so we don't have that uh, uh, flux on the TV. So we use these and that way we're just covered whether we're, whether I'm answering people on my phone or I'm playing, um, wheel of fortune with my husband on the iPad, we're covered. All right. Um, uh, not only does it affect how long you sleep or how quickly you fall asleep, uh, but that blue light can also affect your quality of sleep. So even though if you think you might be sleeping, you might not be sleeping as deeply and as soundly as you think you are. Sun exposure. Again, it's the 
it's the day and the night. I talked about that last week in episode 41 about circadian rhythms. And so sun exposure will help prevent insomnia and it also helps melatonin cycle. So any sun exposure that you can get is going to help your body say, oh, it's daylight. It's going to increase your vitamin D and vitamin D increased reduces cortisol. I've talked about cortisol in other episodes. I'm actually going to have an episode coming up that's nothing but cortisol because it's so, um, it's such a thing. It's such a thing, yeah. So vitamin D3 supplement of 3,000 to 5,000 I use per day. I can remember uh, back when I had prediabetes, long before supplementation, long before uh, fasting, um, my vitamin D, I think it was supposed to be like 70. Was it vitamin D? And mine was... 13 or something. Um, I work inside and I hardly ever go outside, especially then. Now I have grandkids and I go outside more. I didn't really go out that much then. But at any rate, vitamin D will help reduce cortisol levels. Cortisol, when cortisol is too high, it interferes in our sleep. All right, develop good sleep hygiene. Now, sleep hygiene is kind of a joke around here because that's my buzzword. And so the kids are like, you know, hey, you guys want to go to Applebee's for appetizers at nine? You know, they're calling us at quarter nine. We're coming your direction. You want to meet us at Applebee's? I'm like, sleep hygiene, sleep hygiene. And they're like, you and your sleep hygiene. Not to mention who I don't like to eat at nine o'clock at night. I'm always done eating by five or six. So, um, except for special occasions that I have to alter my window and that's always a pain. So I do it for family though. So, um, at any rate, sleep hygiene, sleep hygiene is the thing. And the thing about sleep hygiene is it is creating this environment and setting up your schedule and your life so that you can sleep seven to nine hours a night. And the thing about sleep hygiene is that I don't understand is why is it so hard? Why is it so hard to develop the self-discipline that's needed to get sleep? A, sleep is free. B, sleep is wonderful. C, sleep makes you feel so good. D, you'll feel so much better tomorrow. E, you'll be way more productive. I mean, I could go on and on and on, right? Benefits of sleep. I did that on episode 40. So, but yet, developing sleep hygiene and developing good sleep habits is so hard. And I've come to the conclusion that it is because it takes a lot of self-discipline. It takes a lot of self-discipline, a lot of self-control to make yourself turn everything off. You finally get to relax. There's nobody who understands this much better than me. I'm sure there are people who have very high-need children, you know, who have sick children, who have sick parents, you know, all these kind of things, who understand it better than me. I don't like to act like I'm such a martyr. But I work long hours. And I love my work, but I do. I work long hours. And so come, you know, 10 o'clock, I only watched one, one show the whole day. I only sat down for one hour. I want to rest some more. I want to veg some more. I want to relax some more. I want to be entertained some more. And so it takes a lot of self-discipline to say, you know, this is going to benefit me in the long run. So I'm going to do what it takes to get the sleep in. So some good sleep hygiene habits. One is to try to sleep at the same time each night. And um, you'll also see where it where I talk about consistency within one hour. So I've been really working on this, and I had my one hour um, to be from uh, seven to eight in the morning. And I work for myself, um, but I do teach like at 
nine, uh, three days a week. So I can, uh, I can go to get up by seven and get up at 15 and get up 730 and get up on the weekends at eight or five till eight or whatever within that hour. All right. And then I just keep on pushing that back because I'm trying to get an earlier, uh, going to bed earlier and getting up earlier so that I can work out before I teach instead of after, because I've just found that works out better for me. Um, I'm more fatigued in the evening to work out and I don't work out as well. Believe it or not, I work out better fast. <laughs> so I want to, I want to work out in the mornings. So try to stay consistent within an hour. And if you do that, you have that, you know, that hour to play with and to make that work. Okay. Um, so develop evening bedtime routines. All right. With this, think like baby sleep habits, right? Do you remember how, you know, with babies, we always wanted to do this routine so that they would know it was bedtime and all that. Well, we need to do it for ourselves too. <laughs> we need our baby sleep habits. So, uh, a warm bath, low lights, soothing music, certain blankies, <laughs> stuffed animals or passing, you know, whatever we can associate with going to bed. All right. Limit fluids before bed. Now, this is a hard one. I just did a fast shot on water. Um, it's at the blog. It's called When Drinking Water During the Fast Makes You Nauseous. So I just had a new fast shot on this in that I talked about how important it is to drink all of your fluids and all of your water to get your water in for that, you know, those toxins to be flushed out and to fill up our bellies while we're fasting and so forth. Um, so... Uh, the problem is, and this might not affect you, if you can get up and go to the bathroom and go right back to sleep, then I don't really think it would matter. You know, if, if you don't feel fatigued the next morning, then you're probably okay. But if you wake up to go to the bathroom and it keeps you up, then you're going to want to uh, get your fluids in earlier in the day. All right. Food before bed may or may not help you sleep. All right. Uh, my husband and I had a couple of late Friday night dates with our kids and we could not go to sleep that night. We just felt like the food was just sitting in our stomachs, just like a lump. It felt terrible. Um, so whether you can sleep with or without food, with or without hunger, all of those things are going to be personal and variable. Uh, whether your fasting window is from 12 to 5 in the afternoon or 5 p.m. till 10 at night has no bearing on your weight loss, all right? There are isolated studies that show a morning fasting window is, you know, better for a morning eating window, causes more weight loss and all that. But none of those studies like that that have to do with those specific little uh, intermittent fasting nuances are are complete enough or well-documented enough to, to base your entire fasting off of. Um, it's just not, there's, you know, there's just enough intermittent fasting information right now for us to learn from, but not like every nuance, like exactly at what hour, whether three hours is, is going to have more of an effect than four hours and so forth. So it's not that nuanced yet. So um, we won't have any bearing on whether you gain or lose weight. So you have to determine um, whether that helps you sleep or not. So some people can't sleep on an empty stomach. Some people can't sleep on a full stomach, right? Uh, if you eat fiber and or fat and even protein, um, right as your last food before you go to bed, like for me, that would be like 4.30 or 5, um, because that's when I stop eating, then you will be less hungry and you'll be more inclined to be able to fall asleep without hunger. 
Um, then that's a satiation question though, right? That is a satiation. How satiated am I? In other words, how full am I? The other question is a satisfaction question. So how satisfied are you? And uh, so some people like to eat carbs. They like to eat their dessert at the end because then they're like, now this is what intermittent fasting is all about. I just had my package of peanut M&Ms or whatever it might be. So there's a difference there between satiation and satisfaction. All right, I'm going to talk about cortisol. Uh, like I said, I'm going to do a whole broadcast, and I've done cortisol spread throughout um, different episodes, and I'll try to link those in the uh, links at the end. All right, so uh, we need to reduce cortisol. Cortisol is our stress hormone. And I mentioned in the last two broadcasts that our bodies were made for like extreme extreme situations. So our cortisol levels shoot up because there's something dangerous. But in our, you know, modern day, our cortisol levels are always, they don't like peak, they're like just high all the time. And so we need to find ways to reduce those, both to reduce our belly fat, to uh, reduce our cravings, to help us sleep better, to help us not be so anxious, uh, to help us control our food intake. Um, cortisol has a huge effect on weight and on inches and really on sleep on so many areas. So uh, the first thing is, the good news, is that sleeping itself reduces cortisol. So that leads us to a little bit of a problem, right? Sleep reduces cortisol. Cortisol keeps me from sleeping, yeah, we have a little problem. All right, so let's try to reduce that. Now, uh, the specialist in these areas, um, the cortisol uh, hormone area, uh, talks about um, many things that reduce it. But the top ones that I have consistently found in my research have been deep breathing, journaling, and a gratitude list, um, which this one you have to be careful of. Um, because you can do this at night and then cause your mind not to stop. If you journal, if you're doing this gratitude stuff at night, if you're filling in a journal of your day or your to-do list for tomorrow, like I can't, like right now from like seven or eight on, I can work on something specific, but I can't get out my whole list for tomorrow or my projects task list and and study it because I won't be able to sleep if I do that seven or eight at night. Uh, I can work on specific projects. I just cannot look at these big pictures and think, I want to do this and I want to do that. And I want to do this and I want to do that. That raises my cortisol, I guess. So anyway, the, the whole journaling idea, you might, might be something that's good for mornings. So just see when that works best for you. The gratitude list, I've seen that so many places that if you just get up each morning and write down three things you're grateful for, or at the end of the day, just pull your journal off your nightstand and just write three things that you're grateful for. Don't make it, it doesn't have to be a big ordeal. It doesn't have, it can be a three minute project. It can be a 30 second, 90 second project, right? Just that gratitude just brings a sense of peace over us. And that makes so much sense, right? Because gratitude is such a cool thing. I mean, it's just, it's in every, it's literally in every religion. And um, it is uh, been known to, to just spark so much um, growth in us as we're grateful. 
Yoga is a, a top one for sure. Um, meditation and prayer. Now, I was really geeking out on some of this research, so I tried not to, to list it all because it was going to get too long again. Um, but uh, the studies of meditators' brains, so compelling, show that the stress area in the brain, which is the amygdala, learning a lot about the hypothalamus and the amygdala and hippocampus and all kinds of things, <laughs> kind of like going back to school. <laughs> I love school. Anyway, um, shows that the stress area is smaller in people who meditate. That amygdala is um, shrunk, I guess you'd say. How cool is that? The stress area is smaller in people who meditate. I mean, it's like, oh, let's do this and let's get a smaller amygdala. Anyway, all right. And also studies done to medical students show meditation decreases cortisol levels. So uh, there was one study that I was really interested in, and I've talked about it on here before. Uh, but the reason I talked about it is because I thought it was funny. But it's also true. It's funny. And it makes you think. That's a movie line from um, uh, Sergeant Bilko with uh, Steve Martin. Funny movie. All right. So instrumental mu music. It's, studies show that the cortisol is reduced in women with instrumental music and deep breathing. All right. Now, the catch to this was that cortisol levels were reduced by 50% within five minutes. Uh, putting somebody in a, a women in a room with instrumental music playing and teaching them to use deep breathing techniques. Five minutes, fifty percent. If they went beyond five minutes, it had an adverse effect. And that's what I thought was so funny because they couldn't stop thinking about their to-do list. <laughs> Isn't that just like us? <laughs> We're all crazy. So anyway. Um, that is instrumental music with deep breathing. Uh, also, acupuncture, which I don't know anything about at all. But it has the word punk in it, puncture in it, puncture. And all about words. Um, but anyway, some people swear by that and say that really works. And uh, massage. So those are the things that can help reduce cortisol. Now, strangely enough, um, intermittent fasting and exercise, all of the things that are good for us can, re can re raise cortisol. But the good effects that we get from exercise and intermittent fasting out, uh, compensate for that, for that small rise in cortisol that we get from fasting and from exercise, All right? Anything that's a stressor on the body can raise cortisol, All right? But we want to be sure that we're having good stressors and that we are offsetting any of those good stressors with good results. Um, so those are some ways that we can reduce cortisol. We can reduce cortisol um, by uh, sleeping, too. So let's work on that. Here we go. Melatonin. Um, because melatonin is so widely taken, I really wanted to delve into it because I, I have learned a lot in the last four or five months about melatonin that I did not know. And um, I used to take melatonin years ago for insomnia. And then it got so bad that I had to take um Benadryl or Tylenol PM. Then it got so bad that I had to take restless leg medicine, which was a, a, a pretty strong drug and caused 
hallucinations and really weird dreams and a hangover the next morning. It was just really bad. So I was very, very happy when I was delivered from insomnia uh, when I began supplementing three years ago. And now since with intermittent fasting in the last two years, everything has only gotten better. So that is amazing. So the first thing that we need to know is that melatonin is a hormone. And that's super important because of the quickness that we have to um, take it as a supplement. We have a tendency to think that melatonin is like a vitamin or a mineral, you know, that we're just taking a little bit of vitamin C, and that's not true. We're taking a hormone. So uh, in general, melatonin is a sleep hormone released from the pineal gland. I pronounce it pineal. Some of the people who I've heard teaching about this pronounce it pineal. So I pronounce it pineal, from the pineal gland. Um, and melatonin levels increase at night, so we want them to go up. They increase at night. That helps to synchronize the body's clocks by telling the all the, remember the, uh, what was it, 37 trillion little clocks throughout our body and one big orchestra director at the top telling it all what to do. Um, so melatonin helps that orchestra director to tell the body that the sun is setting. Okay, and that's why everybody has so much trouble getting their kids to go to sleep in the summer, right? It's still daylight at 9 o'clock where I live, right? And then, of course, that's why those of us who are getting old look at the clock, and it's 5.15 in December, and it's dark, and we want to go to bed. <laughs> it works for the young, and it works for the old. All right, um, so we have this melatonin that is released from the pineal gland at night, telling the body the sun is set, let's go to sleep, okay? Now, so many things can interfere in it. You know, we talk about all the different hormones, ghrelin, leptin, insulin, human growth hormone, and we talk, you know, they can all be affected by different things, right? And this is no different. So we can actually affect melatonin, that is cause it either not to be released or not to be released as much or not to be released in time early enough for us. And we can affect that by light. That's why we have our blue light glasses. Um, by oversleeping uh, during the daytime, daytime sleeping at all, you know, if, like I personally can't nap during the day at, at my age. Now when my kids were little, I could nap really, really well. I was a great napper. Two hours of story time and two hours of napping. It was a blissful afternoon around here. Um, and my husband was gone like 12 or 13 hours. So I had the whole day to do all my work and homeschool them and everything. So, um, I got a lot done, including a nap somehow, um, daytime sleeping. But now I can't do that anymore. I'm, I don't know. I haven't been able to sleep during the day for a number of years. I'd say probably five or six years. I just, if I sleep during the day, I can't sleep at night. So I just don't sleep during the day. Um, and I don't, I don't like to sleep because I don't like to have to stop. You know, I'm one of those kind of people who likes to keep going. Uh, and all of these things can interfere in melatonin release and sleep. Now, an interesting thing about melatonin, we talk about cortisol. Lower those levels. Yoga, deep breathing, gratitude journals, um, acupuncture, massage, um, you know, uh, instrumental music, all of those things that we can lower cortisol with. Melatonin and cortisol oppose each other. And so when cortisol is high, guess what happens to melatonin? It is low. And that's why people say, 
I'm so stressed, I can't even go to sleep at night. I just lie there thinking about all of these problems and everything that needs done. And, and I was worrying about so many things. And it is because stress is high, so melatonin is low. And when the cortisol levels are high, our melatonin level is not uh, released as much. Our melatonin is not released as much. When cortisol is low, when we are low stressed, breathe, then melatonin is high. And our bodies say, okay, it's time to go to sleep. So we want to, first of all, work towards increasing melatonin naturally. I'm going to give you some hints here in just a few minutes for uh, using melatonin. But our first goal with melatonin is to increase it naturally because it's a hormone, right? And we don't want to take hormones. We want our body to make hormones. All right. So, I mean, if we have to, we have to. But we're going to, first of all, learn about increasing it naturally. So, first of all, get on a good light and darkness schedule. So, you know, I've been going on and on and on about sleep hygiene and the lights and the blinds and the, and then, you know, not having lights on in the hallway and your door open and that light shining through, not turning on the light when you go to the bathroom, not being out in the fluorescence right before I come to bed, turning out the lights and putting on my light blocking glasses when I watch something. All right. We want to be on a good light and darkness schedule, right? We want our bodies to uh, respond naturally to melatonin being released. And we want it to be released. We want that hormone released. And it won't be released if we if the body doesn't know if it's day or night. And that's why shift workers have such a hard time with sleep and with weight. Right? I talked about that in episode 41. All right. Um, so this can be controlled in part by light. So first of all, work on the light. Okay? Work on the light by getting up in the mornings, By getting more light in the morning, when you get more light in the morning, that suppresses the melatonin, so you're not sleepy, and you start this uh, daylight, darkness, daylight, darkness cycle. All right, so get that morning light in, and then reduce the light at night. Like I just said, all those different ways. All right, Um, don't over-supplement with melatonin. So melatonin is a hormone. I know I keep saying that, but I do want to realize, because I didn't know that. I just thought taking melatonin was the same as taking, you know, vitamin C. If you have a sniffles, you take some more vitamin C. I had no idea. Um, So taking it, uh, and I wrote down the phonetic spelling for this. Uh, um, Exogenously. Yay. Exogenously. It's five syllables. My high school kids um, have a lot of five-syllable spelling words this week. They're working hard. I love those kids. All right, so when you take them exogenously, exogenously, got my emphasis on the wrong syllable. I even have my emphasis right there above my odd. Exogenously, uh, this can cause a negative feedback loop where the body stops making it since you have it externally. So you're taking melatonin and you think you're doing a good thing, telling your body to go to sleep, raising that melatonin level, body knows it's time to sleep, you drift off to sleep, if you take too much, you're going to have a hangover the next morning, and um, talk about the amounts in just a minute, and here, if you do that too much, you're going to have this negative feedback loop where the body says, well... I don't need to release this hormone because this body already has it, 
all right? Because we're getting it externally, exogenous, exogenously, exogenously. All right, so work on reducing stress and lowering your cortisol because, again, melatonin and cortisol are opposites and not released when the other is present and work on sleep hygiene to get that perfect sleep storm. So what is going to cause you to sleep really well? Some people um, really just need to turn off all electronics and get a book or something, right? Because some people fall asleep well while reading. And, uh, or at the very least, use those blue light blocking glasses at least for an hour before bed. Try to get out of light for one hour um, to two hours before bed. So I try to make sure that I am out of any kind of light for one hour, um, but two hours would be even better. All right, um, sleep in coolness, melatonin is released better in coolness, and so forth. All right, if you're going to supplement, um, remember that it's not the same as taking a vitamin. <laughs> Since it's a hormone, you want your body to make it as much as possible. It's important, interesting to note that Melatonin is actually a prescription in other countries. It's only, I don't know what all countries have it available like we do, but here we have it available um, just as an over-the-counter. And uh, even like the one I take is a dissolvable one. So uh, kids should not take melatonin. We are don't want to mess with their hormones. <laughs> all right, so we don't want to mess with that. Um, benefits. Some of the benefits include many people do fall asleep better with it. It's known to reduce migraines. It increases flexibility. It helps with bone density. So there are a lot of things that melatonin does, but how much better would those things be if we got it naturally? Downsides. Some research shows that it's not as effective for sleep as others. Um, there were some that were even, I mean, I take it sometimes and it really helps me a lot, but they were saying that uh, some studies showed that people only fall asleep seven minutes faster and sleep eight minutes longer with uh, three milligrams of it. Um, I I don't know. I find when I use it, I get way more than um, eight extra minutes of sleep. But uh, anyway, that's one research study. Okay, and downside, of course, is that the body will quit producing it. Um, it can also cause a terrible hangover and terrible sleepiness the next day. Because when your body releases melatonin naturally, like it's supposed to at, at the right times and all that, it goes out of your body at the right time too. Like if it comes in and if it rises at the right time, it also is lowered at the right time. When you take it exogenously, then you have this problem of melatonin not clearing from the body in time. And you have sleepiness, hangover. Oh, I did not know. I got these um, five milligram, five, 10, uh, five. I think they're five, five milligram uh, melatonins, the dissolvable ones. And I, we just started taking them. And my husband was like, I feel terrible. I can't take this anymore. I was like, it's just a, it's just a supplement. It can't be doing that to you. And then I found out more about it. It was. So, um, yeah, it can cause, you can have a real clearance problem. So because of that, you want to be sure that you take the smallest amount as possible. Vivid dreams, nightmares, and so forth. So I recommend that you um, uh, you can take between 0.5 and 5 milligrams per night. forgot to write that in the notes. I'm going to add that. Um, but I really think that you need to keep it as low as you possibly can. So if you absolutely need to take it and you're trying to work on your cortisol, you're trying to do all of these things that you can do, and you want to do this in addition to it to just get your sleep turned around, 
want to be sure that you take as little melatonin as you can possibly need to get the job done. All right. Um, so for example, use when you're coming off of an erratic sleep pattern, like maybe you're traveling, flying, jet lag, the holidays, um, sick children keeping you up at night and you're trying to get yourself back on the right track, something like that. Um, or when you're trying to develop new ones. So like my husband's not taking it now, but I'm, I told you that I've tried to get that hour. So I was doing seven to eight and then I went to six 30 to seven 30 so that I could keep moving my rising time. You can't just say, I'm going to fall asleep at this time tonight. Most people can't do that. And so I was adjusting it a little bit at a time. So then I was moving it back to where I was getting up at six 30 to seven 30. Um, so seven 30 in the weekends, six 30 during the week. And then I would, I would back it up from that and try to be asleep no later than, um, what would that be? 1030. And so then my new sleep time became, you know, 1030 to 1130 and then getting up 630 to 730. And then I'm still moving it up again. Now I'm trying to go to sleep between 10 and 11. It's 10 during the week asleep and then get up at six during the week. So, um, I'm trying to develop these new sleep patterns so that I can get up earlier in the morning so that I can exercise before I teach instead of in the evenings. And um, with that, I'm using melatonin uh, 2.5 milligrams. Okay. So I'll put the dissolvable ones in the links, um, but I really recommend that you use as little as you can. All right. I have some other supplements for sleep um, listed here. And then at the end, actually, today's... Um, Plexus commercial. It's going to be about the different supplements that have these ingredients in it. I won't have time to do all of them, um, actually, but uh, um, you'll have the outline. Okay, so there are other things that you could take besides melatonin that some are adaptogens, some are, you know, more, more mineral in nature, vitamin in nature, things like that. So you can try some of those as well. There are also like sleepy time teas. Um, I think uh, chamomile, maybe, uh, teas. So there are sleeping, like sleeping teas that can help you at night too, uh, that you can look into. And of course, last week I talked about this in uh, insomnia, cut the caffeine, cut the caffeine. Um, I never take caffeine past noon. Um, I just don't like to jeopardize my sleep hygiene. All right. So magnesium, I talked about this last week and my, uh, Plexus commercial last week was about our BioCleanse, which is our magnesium supplement. So magnesium helps the muscles relax so you can go to sleep. So if you have a lot of cramping and uh, foot cramps and leg cramps and inflammation and things like that, you, that can be a sign that this will help. Um, it also helps melatonin release to be regulated in your body naturally. Um, many people are deficient in it. It also helps with constipation. Uh, another supplement is 5-HTP, and this is to increase the serotonin release. A lot of times people can't sleep at night because of low serotonin levels, and that also has something to do with um, melatonin as well. Uh, but uh, 5-HTP can help with serotonin release. It can help increase it, but you don't want to take 5-HTP if you're on antidepressants or SSR SSRIs because it's a natural antidepressant, so you kind of be like doubling up. Um, omegas, uh, definitely a lot of people swear by taking omegas, uh, an hour up to an hour before bed. And some studies show that this helps with sleep. 
because the fat from the omegas is released slowly while you sleep. And it, like, uh, not only does it help you fall asleep, but it helps you stay asleep. Uh, so some people who used to like wake up two or three hours after they fall asleep, um, omegas at night will help with that. Uh, omega three especially helps reduce inflammation and it's great for neuroplasticity. That is the, um, melding or the plasticness or the bendability, so to speak, of our brains. And omega three, because of that, it also helps with depression. Uh, you need the correct ratio of six to three. So be sure that if you take omegas, that you don't just randomly take whatever sixes you find or whatever threes you find, but you take something that has the right ratio of sixes to threes. Omega-3s reduce cortisol level um, and can be found in a lot of foods. So if you want to really get some more natural, real foods in, in your evening meal, uh, wild salmon, eggs, walnuts, fatty fish, and nuts uh, all have omega-3s. Um, uh, again, make sure the ratio is correct and use bioavailable whenever possible. Last week I talked about adaptogenic herbs. So uh, BioCleanse must spend the week before that. Anyway, last week I talked about adaptogenic herbs, and these are herbs that help with stress in a non-psychotic uh, non manner. Um, in other words, they're going to help do a lot of things that maybe pharmaceuticals would, but in a non-pharmaceutical form. So they're in um, herbs instead. So these are the I take these particular ones in my um, supplements, L-theanine. That's an amazing relaxant and uh, anti-stress one. Grains of Paradise, uh, really good um, for um, thyroid. And Rhodiola, really good for um, cortisol levels. And Chinese Ginseng and Astragalus. So um, those are in some of the products that I take. All right, prebiotics and probiotics. So uh, a lot of times we'll have stomach issues and gut issues. Uh, Definitely yeast in our system can cause insomnia, it can cause indulgence, uh, cravings, and so forth. So prebiotics feed good, by good, good bacteria and probiotics give good bacteria. So you want to take both or else get a lot of uh, foods with those in it. Um, you want an antifungals to get rid of bad bacteria, fiber in fruits and vegetables. That satiation is going to go a long way uh, towards sleep too. Uh, theonine is an, uh, or L-theonine, either way, uh, with the L or without the L in front of it, is an amino acid uh, found in green tea. So you can sometimes use that green tea earlier in the day. It does have caffeine, so don't take it after a certain time. Um, and theonine is used to treat anxiety, lower high blood pressure, prevent Alzheimer's, and so forth. Exercising. Now, exercise is an issue um, with sleep. Because one of the things that causes us to uh, not release melatonin at the right time is just like a laziness, so to speak, like not enough activity. And our sleepfulness, being sleepy, is connected to our activity level. So the more active we are, the sleepier we will be at night. And that's why like farmers and things like that during the harvesting and we have a lot of farmer friends during planting and during harvesting, you know, you'll be with them in the evening and you'll look over and they'll be sound asleep in their chair, right? Because they work so hard. A lot of, a lot of men are fall asleep very easily in their chair, so to speak at night after doing a lot of physical activity. It's because physical activity and 
moving your body leads to sleepfulness, not sleeplessness, right? So in that way, exercise is really good for going to sleep. Um, so, but it can also keep you awake because it can pump you up. And remember I said, even good things like fasting and exercise can increase cortisol temporarily. So uh, for that reason, if you, you know, try to exercise at nine and then go to sleep at 10, that might not work so well. So try to have at least two hours before bed or even sooner so that you can get tired and sleep well. Uh, try meditation, yoga, relaxation, reading, gratitude journal, but not your to-do list. <laughs> and um, exercise will um, eventually uh, reduce cortisol in the long run from the good feelings, from the good hormones, the serotonin, and the um, uh, the, the, the feel-good hormones that are released. So it'll even out as long as you're not overdoing it. Uh, mindful activities, so yoga, meditation, physical games and activities that free your mind, gratitude journal, um, five, five, five to 15 minutes of mindfulness. So just not uh, trying not to think of anything. That's really hard to do, isn't it? All right. Inflammatory foods also cause cortisol to rise. Um, and so more stress equals less sleep, less sleep equals more stressed, and so forth. And the funny thing about it is these things that cause inflammation are the same things that cause us not to feel full, cause us to overeat, cause us to have trigger triggers to foods, and so forth. So processed foods, seed oils, and trans fats, sugar, um, those cause stress and increase in cortisol. So with that, I think that if I could encourage you just really overall in your eating window to not necessarily think, you know, that this food um, macronutrient is bad or this one's good, but instead think real and not real. You know, how much could we change our shapes, our physiques, our weight, our health, our longevity, and everything, if we just, instead of worrying about every carb or every fat gram um, and even every calorie, but instead if we would just say, I'm going to just worry about whether it's real or not. I'm going to have that baked potato slot, you know, with some butter on it. I'm going to have, um, you know, the, uh, the coconut oil in my vegetables. I'm not going to worry about whether it falls in this camp or that camp as much as I'm going to worry about whether it's real. And just realizing, I mean, when we started doing this, it was just like our stomachs were filled up. We didn't have room for other foods. Um, we had to get used to it at first because we were so bloated from having real foods. And uh, you can get really, really full with that. So anyway, that is Ways to Improve Sleep, episode number 42. I do need to get these down um, to a more manageable time. So Wish me luck with that. <laughs> I'm going to try to um, try to do that. So anyway, thank you so much for joining me as I talked about ways to improve sleep. I've got a lot of things on the horizon, some of the things that you can look forward to. One, as I said before, is evaluating research and really taking to heart what you're hearing out there and what you're seeing out there and uh, not to avoid reading it or seeing it or hearing it, but instead to listen um, really, really uh, with discernment to what you're hearing. And I'm going to bring in some of my speech and debate coaching for you here because my husband and I were speech and debate coaches. And, um, you know, some of these things that people are saying, you know, they're basing entire 
protocols, you know, off of just one piece of research or something, our kids could never gotten by with that. It's reach and debate. So I'm going to be bringing you that. I have also, can I lose weight during intermittent fasting if I? So I have a whole list of things that people have been asking me. So I'm going to be bringing that uh, to you and just shedding some light on some of the things that I have learned about. Can you lose weight if you have an early window? Can you lose weight if you have a late window? Can I lose weight if I eat carbs? Can I lose weight if I'm keto? Can I lose weight if I'm vegan? Can I lose weight? You know, uh, whatever. You know, different things that people say. Um, like I heard somebody say recently, I, I was a doctor actually, uh, say that if you eat an apple, you can't lose weight. So <laughs> we're going to just examine some of that. And then I also have um, another sleep in the brain coming up. But that's going to be a while yet um, because I don't want to do any more sleeps right now. And then um, also hormones. We're going to ask a lot about hormones. So um, I'm going to be talking about the fasting hormones, but also other hormones that come into effect, human growth hormone, um, uh, testosterone, uh, um, female, <laughs> I like all the female hormones, just estrogen. They all just left me. So I will be working on that too. So stay with me for that. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm going to talk a little bit about some plexus supplements here. Um, I won't keep you long, but if you'd like to stay, that'd be great. If not, I'll see you either in the next episode, which will be episode 43 or in a an upcoming fast shot in the next few days at Donna's Intermittent Fasting Group. Follow the links below to um, find me and to uh, read my blog posts as well as watch my videos and um, iTunes uh, podcast. So thanks. <laughs> All right. Those of you who are here to hear about Plexus, I really did not allow myself enough time, but it was interesting to me as I went through here and the supplements that I wrote down to help with sleep, I got from various places. And then afterwards, I was like, oh my word, so many of those are in Plexus products. So I just thought I would bring to your attention some of them. They are in your outline too, so you can see them there. Um, and you can contact me, you can text me, I'll put my number here uh, to help you get started on Plexus products if you would like to do that. Um, or you can go to our store and order there. Um, but if you need advice and help on what to order, I can help you with that. Or my husband, either one. We're both available to help. All right. So when I went through that list of the different supplements that people were recommending, non-plexus, just people recommending the ingredients like 5-HTP and omega-3s and vitamin D and so forth, I was like, wow, those are in a lot of plexus products. So I'll just give you a recap of some of them. Plexus is a plant-based uh, natural product company. Uh, everything is plant-based. Nothing in any of their ingredients is non-real. They're all natural products. And they um, we only have about 20, maybe with the newest shakes, I'm wondering, we might be up to like 22 different products. But you don't, we don't have a catalog with hundreds of products. That's one reason why I was drawn to it. And if you're ever considering a business um, and you are a minimalist of sorts like I am, just let's just get away from all the heavy and big and overwhelming things and let's do something smaller, then I'd love to help you get started with the Plexus business because it is truly the simplest uh, um, network marketing direct sales business I've ever seen. Uh, you don't ever carry inventory. You don't ever deliver or anything. But also the small product line makes a huge difference. And they can have a small product line because the ingredients in each product, there are so there might be five 
ingredients in this one. There might be eight in this one. And so because of that, we can have a smaller product line with multiple ingredients in each product. So back to the magnesium, first of all. I talked about that in episode 40. That's at the end of episode 40. That is our magnesium supplement called BioCleanse. And in addition to having magnesium, um, it also has digestive enzymes, and it also has antifungals. So that is a really good place to start if you are wanting a magnesium supplement. Um, I was completely cured of restless leg syndrome from this, uh, the Triplex, from the Slim, the BioCleanse, and the ProBio5. My insomnia, completely gone. My TMJ, mouth guard, thrown away. My husband's blood pressure pills, gone. GERD medicine, gone. <laughs> and that was just with using this BioCleanse, Slim, and ProBio5. So um, I really, really owe a debt of gratitude to these products uh, because they just turned our health around so much. The next one is the 5-HTP. And I talked about that last time in episode 41 when I talked about MetaBurn and the adaptogens that are in MetaBurn. So, but HTP is in two different products, Accelerator and MetaBurn. And uh, I used to take Accelerator, but MetaBurn is the new kid on the block. And it has L-theanine, which I adore, and it has adaptogens. So I've switched from Accelerator to MetaBurn, which is metabolism. So it's a metabolism help, lowers cortisol. It really, really lowers cortisol and helps with thyroid issues. So I've switched from accelerator to MetaBurn because of the adaptogens and the L-theanine. Um, and it's an amazing product. I talk about it at the end of episode 41. Um, but again, I want to warn you, if you're ordering, if you're going to our site and ordering on your own, to be careful um, that you don't, you can't, you should not take 5-HTP, not just from Plexus, but anywhere, because you can buy 5-HTP by itself, but it won't have the other ingredients in with it that Accelerator and MetaBurn have. But do not take Accelerator or MetaBurn or any 5-HTP product if you are on antidepressants. Um, so, uh, you know, maybe with your doctor's help, you know, through intermittent fasting, through healthier eating, through weight loss, maybe you can get off of antidepressants someday with your doctor's approval and his guidance. And if you ever do, then you can do something natural like this, but you shouldn't take that with it. All right. Always consult your physician. I'm a teacher and a writer. I'm not a doctor. All right. So the third one is Omega and I'm not even a nurse. I have getting ready to have three nurses in my family. I, my kids are, oh, kids are amazing. They're growing up to be cool people. I love it. All right, so Omega, Omega's is the next, and we have a great Omega um, product called Mega X. And when I was talking about the ratios of three to six and all that, um, it's seldom that you have an Omega that has all of the Omegas, the, the three, five, three, five, six, seven, nine, I think that's it, all in one omega. That's very unusual. It's also very unusual that it would, the ratio would already be done for you. So the six, the, the three to six ratio, you don't want too much six. So the three to six ratio is done for you. It's also very rare that it would be a non-fish-based supplement. So it is plant-based. No fishy aftertaste, 
all the benefits of omegas, the lowering the blood pressure, the lower the, the great health markers all across the board from this amazing product, as well as great, great sleep. So uh, next vitamin D is, of course, in our vitamin. It just so happens to, that our vitamin X Factor Plus also has gut health products in it. So um, if you are looking for a vitamin that also helps to heal the gut, X Factor Plus is going to be the answer to you for you. It's uh, great. It's got the vitamin D. Um, with that, X Factor Plus, and with any of these, I'll help you with them. You can contact us. X Factor Plus is a strong vitamin, so you want to take it with food, and you want to take it like, you know, one, and then a couple few hours later, take the second one. So I open my window with this. I don't take it on an empty stomach. All right, um, next are the adaptogens that I talked about this week, and I also talked about them last week, and those are also found in the, our new Metaburn. Um, lots of anti-stress adaptogens. Uh, prebiotics is found in, we have two Plexus Slims. One is our gut health, and one is our um, appetite-suppressing one. And uh, prebiotics are found in our um, gut health one, our XOS. Um, Slim. Probiotics, we have two, ProBio5 and VitalBiome. Um, I can tell you more about those. We have anti-inflammatories, which are ease capsules, which have the great turmeric for inflammation. Um, bromelain, um, can't remember what else is in it. It's, that's my husband and I swear by that. And uh, we also have a nerve product, which helps with things like restless legs, um, uh, um, People with Parkinson's take it, that kind of thing. It helps with any kind of nerve nerve damage and nerve issues. So anyway, that include that wraps up our Plexus, Plexus commercial here for the end of episode 42, Ways to Improve Your Sleep. Uh, you can try a free slant sample of either Slim, the Hunger Control, or the um, uh, XOS, the uh, prebiotic one, and uh, we can send you one in the mail. So just uh, there's a link there to help you figure out how to contact us to do that. So thank you so much for joining me for episode 42 of Ways to Improve Sleep. I look forward to helping you with um, your fasting and everything related to that. It's so much more than just simply not eating, right? It's a way of life and changing our lives through our nutrition, through our health, through the choices that we're making all the time, including getting our great sleep. So thanks again for joining me, and I'll see you in the group.